Hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm Anxious AF. Welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, I talk to my friend and former colleague, Alex Nelson. He's the owner of Zero Optic, a Los Angeles-based company that customizes cinema lenses for TV shows, films, and commercials. I've had this urge for some time now to start my own business, so I wanted to talk to Alex and really pick his brain. We also talk about being upfront when it comes to sexuality or sexual orientation and how that overlaps with taking the leap to being an entrepreneur. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Alex Nelson. Whole Foods, everything, coffee, whatever you need, it's here. It's all here. I'm excited for my new bougie existence in LA. <laughs> I'm going to live so fancy. Oh, no. <laughs> all yeah. I'm going to buy is... Uh, when I go to Whole Foods, I always like try to get the tiramisu and I get seltzer. And those are like my major purchases. And those are, what do you mean those are your major purchases? <laughs> How is that all you're getting? With you? <laughs> well, I just like, I'm like, I'll figure out what I want. Like, I'll just, but I'm like, I know I have to get, I know what I'm here. The tiramisu and the seltzer are on the list. Like, they're just That's like, just, yeah, like de facto, <laughs> nothing else. Like, I mean, it's the major food groups. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Prepared desserts and bubbly water. That's, yeah. <laughs> I remember that in, in the food pyramid in, in you know, school. Like, <laughs> like, the two food groups, bubbly ass water and cake. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, that's the first chapter is, of my book. It's going to be called Bubbly Ass Water and Cake. Yeah, I think, I think that's perfect. So I reached out to Alex like a few weeks ago because I'm like, how do you should I move? Should I start my own business? Am I a crazy person? And you were like, yeah, you are. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> and you were like, you're an anxious person. It's just going to make it worse. And I was like, that's the, that's advice I should have expected. And <laughs> to be fair, that was mostly around starting a business. I yeah. don't recommend that to anyone unless you have just a compulsive need to start a business. Yeah. So why, why don't you recommend this? <laughs> Because I have so many people bring it up and, it, you know, they, they, they work for usually a small company, I feel like, and they're like, I, I wish I had my own business, then, then I would be happy, then I would be rich, and I could, I could control my own schedule and, and determine my, my like life course, and that is, no, none of that is true. You don't get, you don't get to control shit. You get emails all the time. You cannot take a vacation. It's it's like having a baby. Like you never get to just be like, oh, I'll take care of the baby on my schedule. No, you take care of the baby on the baby's schedule. And maybe in 20 years, you get to like let off the gas a bit. So anyone who's looking to start, who's like, I could be like a like an entrepreneur and you know do what I want to do. Yeah. All right. Enjoy. I just haven't had, I've talked to some people that have their own businesses and people are just like, yeah, you just got to have a plan and you just got to do it. And you were just like, no, no, terrible idea. It'll be worse. <laughs> I was like, it will be worse. It absolutely will be worse. Of course it will be worse. But if you're prepared for that, then maybe at least you can like, like sort of steal yourself for, for it being worse. Like, I think going into anything with hope is a terrible decision. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is going to be an uplifting episode for everyone listening. Yeah. Start every endeavor with just like, just morose kind of pessimism. And then, and then it will go well because you'll, you'll be, you'll be prepared for the worst. If you go into it, just like, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to make so much money. I'm going to be so happy. Everyone's going to love me. That is a, a very, very great height to fall from. Dangerous. So then what, then that's what gets me is like all of these stacks of like, this is a terrible idea, but you, you're doing it. So why did you decide to do it? Because it was, it was a compulsion and I didn't know any better. I was naive. This is like a scared straight program. It's like, I'm here to tell you, don't make the same mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ruin your life like that. Work for other people. (laughs) Take vacations. I mean, you know, have, have a separate life away from work. You don't get that if you're an entrepreneur. Not... Well, then just throw it all away then. What are you doing? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> just give up then. I've got, I've got, what do we have now? Like six or seven employees? <laughs> the, the company has a, let's see, I think we're up to like a 15-month wait list on orders. It's insane. So for those uninitiated that didn't come to this podcast because <laughs> you knew Alex and how famous he is. <laughs> Can you describe what you do um, uh, to the to the people that are uncultured swine? Nobody knows what we do. Uh, it's um, I have a company that designs and builds uh, like specialty lenses for shooting movies and TV, and we are presently the only company in North America doing that. It uh, yeah, I mean it's blown up a lot. A lot more than I ever expected it to. I just thought it would be like a fun, fun thing to do. Control my schedule, all that fun nonsense. No, it, it has taken off in an enormous way. We're doing a lot of business, and it is all-consuming. So, is the anxiety now of like that it's getting bigger, and how are you going to handle it? Yeah, a lot of it. Like we're getting bigger and bigger in reputation in responsibility in like the jobs that we're getting doing stuff for bigger and bigger movies the stakes are are higher and trying to expand in a way that like is sustainable and makes sense but also feeds that level of you know work and and business is a a lot a lot to juggle and i mean you know and I think any good business is going to get to that point. Like if you, if your small business is successful, it will grow. It was only about three and a half years ago, four years ago, when I was working out of my living room by myself. And that's all it would ever be. Like maybe there'd be one other person or something. Uh, yeah, no, it has grown up way beyond that. And there are so many pitfalls and, uh, things to, to watch out for that, you, you know, just I don't know, you can possibly be prepared for unless you've already done it before. Say an anxious person decides to start their own company. What are your, like, besides don't do it, <laughs> are there <laughs> are there tips that you wish you, or things that you wish you knew going into it? No, because I don't think it's possible. Like, you know, it's it, no one... You can't say anything to anyone who wants to start a business that will like effectively dissuade them 
Like you just have to fuck up on your own. And you will fuck up on your own. And then you will learn the lesson. You know, it's like your parents saying, like, you know, you should behave this way, you should do that, don't don't listen to that person. He's like, you don't know me, you don't know my life. And then you go and you fuck up. You're like, oh, now I have internalized that lesson. So like I genuinely do not believe you can tell anyone anything that is not already like something that you know they're planning to do, already know and, and have it stick. Yeah, I mean learning the hard way is the only way to like really take something in is by your own experience. Yeah. So I'd say that if there's anything, it's like be prepared to fail and like, you know, try to persevere, I guess. That last part was very hard for you to get out. <laughs> well, because I've noticed that's the only way it works. Like if you can just like find some way to survive, then you'll be fine. Like literally any way to survive is not illegal. Um you'll be fine. But if you, if you like take failure too hard or you take, you know, like if you make a mistake and you're just like, why am I even doing this? Then get out, just get out before it completely crushes you. Well, first, like what got you into wanting to be involved with lenses in this whole field? And then what got you to start your own business? I mean, I went to film school and I worked in production in New York for uh, a few years, worked at rental houses, um, worked in a camera department on movies and TV and commercials and stuff. And when I moved to Los Angeles, um, I didn't have like a network for getting set jobs. And to be honest, I was kind of burned out on set work anyway. Um, so I started working for a company that specialized in like servicing lenses for cinematography. And they hired me specifically to do product design and modifications and engineering and things, which I was not strictly qualified for, but managed to figure out pretty quickly while I was there. I just noticed there was certain like gap in the market that they didn't want to explore, but I was very curious about. And that was this sort of like ground up kind of design and assembly of special lenses for, for movies and TV. And so I started the, started getting sort of like inquiries about it, talked to my boss and asked if it would be okay to do this on the side. And he was very supportive. There was probably a year or a year and a half of overlap between when I started doing that kind of work and you know, sort of informally started the company. And when I actually went full time with it, because I, um, after about a year or so, I attended this trade show in the Netherlands on like my own behalf, on behalf of the company I had started on nights and weekends. And the response to what I was doing was so positive that when I got back to the US, I gave my notice and, and went full time with it. So then, and then that's when you were like by yourself in your house. Yeah. I thought it was slick too, because I did I'd take like a long lunch. Cause I, I up to that point, for the like a year or so leading up to that, I would work a full day job, come home, just pound espresso, and then like work on my own stuff until I fell asleep. And so when I went full time with that, I was like, I can I can relax now. Like I can just work like a normal day. And like, if I'm not feeling it, then I can go do something else. I can go for a walk if I want to. Like that maybe lasted a month. And then it just 
you know, there's work to do. Like, there's actual work to do. You cannot just fuck off to the beach because, like, you're your own boss. But how did you deal with the anxiety of, like, are, am I going to get more work? Am I going to be able to survive? Uh, it's a mix, I think, of denial. I don't know. I mean, I was sort of used to freelance work leading up to that. So, like, at this point, I had two partners who uh, could put money in. So, like, there was some financial backing. It was a little bit more one way to play with. But I think a lot of it is just, like, you don't know what you don't know. So it was like, oh, like, I can make a go of this. I'm, I'm having fun. I'm my own boss. I can, do, I can do what I want. And then you start encountering challenges and bigger challenges and, you know, but maybe more recognition. And so it just sort of grew on its own. And a lot of it was just sort of like when you get that, that feeling of, you know, it's like you're at the top of the first hill on a roller coaster. You just gotta swallow it and and lean into it. Because like, like, if you if you shrink from that, you, you're done. You're so done. Like you gotta you gotta run right into the line of fire. Was there like other life things that were sort of taking over at the time? Was I mean that was at that time at least that was mostly it. But I mean yeah, of course. Like, I think there's always like life stuff that. Uh, it pops up. There's always some, you know, there's something, there's always a fire to put out, right? Yeah, like the short term fire, though, because then it's just gonna, another one's gonna pop up. Yeah, that's the thing. I think, I think that's the trap is like assuming that there's ever a point where you're just, uh, like you just made it and you're comfortable and you don't have to work so hard anymore. I don't think that exists. I think that's, that's a fantasy that gets people up in the morning, but, I've, I've met people now who are at the end of, I think, what could objectively be called very successful careers financially and creatively and are just as stressed and unhappy and unfulfilled as people starting out. So the idea that, you know, that you can work towards some sort of panacea where you just like chill by the pool and you've done all the things you want to do. I don't think people are built that way. I don't think the human psyche functions that way. There's always something more. I was obsessed for a very long time with like my obituary, which is very morbid. But at Ooh. the same time, it's like, I always was like, I need to keep doing more and more and more things because I want my obituary to be like beefed up. But then it's like, but girl, you're going to be dead. Why does it matter? Right. If you're like known for something and there's never going to, I was like, you're never going to get, there's always going to be something else. There's always going to be something else to obtain. Right. See, my uh, my motivation has changed. So it used to be just like, yeah, like sort of like rote accomplishment, right? Like I want to, originally I wanted to be like a, a director and then that was like freshman or film school and I quickly learned that was bullshit. And then I wanted to be a cinematographer and I worked really hard toward that. And then I just wasn't, I had nothing to say as a cinematographer. And so over the years it's evolved into it's sort of like, it's like hedonistic nihilism. Like nothing matters, but because nothing matters, you can just sort of like pursue whatever you want. Like I just want to act on as many compulsions as possible that don't like negatively affect anyone else. Like I don't want to hurt anybody. But if, if, if you know, an idea pops into my head that doesn't hurt anybody, 
I just want to try it. I'm going to do it because at this, why not? Like life is way too short. You don't know when it's going to end. You might as well just have fun with it and then just scratch that itch. I mean, it's sort of, that's kind of what's inspired a lot of the, this kind of talk for me is my friend was like, you've always been very goal oriented versus the journey. But if you don't believe there's something after there's an afterlife, then where are you running to? But there was, there was a great, I mean, it's, it's heavy stuff, but there was a great, uh, uh, interview with Stanley Kubrick in Playboy, you know, 40 years ago. Um, 50 years ago, probably, uh, where that was sort of their question. They're like, you know, you, you are famously an atheist. You know, how, if you really, if you don't believe there's any point to anything, why bother with, with a single project? Like, why, why get up in the morning? And his response was basically like, if, if you don't believe, if you don't believe life has like an inherent purpose, then, it's up to you. Like you, you have the freedom to create the purpose. Like you, you get to decide what the point is, which admittedly is like, that's pretty heady. Like, you know, not everyone is in a place to like take the reins and, and, you know, develop their own sort of spark and motivation. Um, yeah, there's a privilege to that. And sure. There's a huge privilege to that. A lot of people don't have the resources to do it. Um, a lot of people, you know, just wrapping your head around that sort of like psychologically is, is kind of a lot. Um, cause I think everyone wants to believe that there's purpose and structure and meaning to everything. And so to throw all of that out and say, like, I've got to build this shit from scratch, um, you know, could drive you insane. Um, but if you have room for that and if you have the resources for that and the drive for it, then it can be liberating but you know you're also you're on the hook for everything then you know if it goes right or wrong then you gotta you gotta sort it out yeah you have to be ready also to put out the fires as you (laughs) said before like it's always gonna be there's always gonna be something yeah like there are always like especially once you like begin acknowledging like just the overall chaos of everything yeah you have to figure out what's worth addressing and what what you simply don't have bandwidth for. Yeah, and then tossing out what isn't working. Like finally just letting go of things. Yeah. Which is also difficult in its own drama. Yeah. And one of the things that just to kind of shift a little bit, when I like I was like, oh, I'm gonna be talking to Alex, like what do I wanna what are the things I want to ask him or what's the things that I want to talk to him about or what intrigued me? And the first thing that I thought of was uh, I assume you remember this, <laughs> but when we went to one of the award shows that we got to go to and my one, my one moment of glamour <laughs> and you were like telling me this story and, and you were just like, Oh, and by the way, I'm gay. And then you kept telling the story and I just started laughing so hard. <laughs> and like <laughs> my boss was like, Sarah, don't laugh at someone coming out at you. It's not a laughing matter. And <laughs> it was one of my like, <laughs> favorite things that I've ever experienced. It's just so funny. But at the same time, it's like the ease in which you just kind of put that out as if it was not like it wasn't something that probably had a lot of layers to it and probably had a lot of things. Or maybe I'm guessing, or maybe I'm projecting, but 
I just thought that it was just so casual for something that probably took a lot, that probably took a lot of fires to put out internally in you. Well, because I think by that point, like when I, when I came out, I think I was 29, which feels like quite late. You know, that's, that's uh, kids these days are coming out in like, you know, fourth grade. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but I think I just reached a point where like, I just didn't have like the energy to like hold it in anymore or like suppress it. I was like, fuck it. I just, I'm done. I'm so done with this. Like, um, plus, because I had people come out to me and I think the, the sort of typical presentation of like, I, you know, like I have something I want to tell you, like I'm gay. There's nowhere to go from there. There's no good response to that. Saying I I always knew it is not really nobody wants to hear that. There's no there's no good reply to like just laying it out there. I like mean, me laughing was but, not great. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was fine because like so I started just like working it into like sentences or like just like not not ask not like leaving room for someone else to like reply to it one way or another, just like stating it as fact as like context maybe for like a story or something and just being like, here. Plus, I mean, it was fun because like I don't present as gay, I think, to a lot of people. And so sort of like tossing that in there and, and like seeing what happens was just like a fun <laughs> game. But that you had to but, get yeah, there though. Yeah, but once once I decided to come out, I was just like, like I I didn't force, I didn't I didn't do like a coming out moment like anybody, not not my parents, no friends. It was just like, like I started dating guys, and and basically, like once I had like a steady boyfriend, then I would like use that was my my delivery method. It was like, oh yeah, my boyfriend and I are going to Palm Springs for the weekend. I don't know. I'm not that important to just be like, listen, we have to go get coffee. I need to tell you something. The drama. The dr- too much drama. I don't, I don't have room for the drama. But was there like a drama, like before, once you made the decision, right? And you went to make the decision to come out, you were like, all right, just going to slip it in and it's fine. But there was probably some sort of pressure in you or like a struggle before that period, though. No? Well, I mean, so the, honestly, the biggest struggle is, like, the reason I took so long to come out was, because, like, I feel like I knew pretty early on. Like, I, I can I can think of, like, moments in, like, elementary school where it was, like, like, I had crushes on, like, other, like, guys, like, you know, the most sort of innocent little, like, schoolyard crushes, but still. Um, but the sort of issue, I guess, with coming out, because, like, you know, Kids, certainly when we were growing up, but I think to some extent still, are just like assumed to be straight unless like right. they say otherwise. Right. And, you know, if you're not really like sure who you are, how can you possibly challenge that or declare anything different? Um, but at some point, you know, you get older and older and, you know, sort of understanding of yourself starts to solidify but you're still interacting with people as essentially a different person. And so then the problem with coming out is at some point you have to not so much, um, cause like, I, I never worried that like any of my friends or family were going to like abandon me because I was gay. 
but you have to admit to these people who feel like they know you really well, they know you really intimately, you have to admit to them that you have been lying the whole time and, and that you have been, you know, actively deceiving them on a very personal level. And so the, for me, at least, there was a really strong sort of like worry about how that information was going to be dealt with, how people were going to respond to that. At some point, like I just didn't have essentially the energy anymore to like maintain the facade of like being straight. I'm just like fuck it. All right, it's like I'm 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 too tired to fucking keep this up anymore. Here's what's going on, um, and it was fine. Like there was there, there was no great explosion. Nothing nothing horrible happened, but. For me, that was the, the big mental block. It was the anxiety around like how people would respond to to essentially being deceived. That's that's interesting. I've I don't think I've thought about it from a sense of like that you're pretending to be somebody else, and so the lie of that. I don't know. I mean, it, it's also the sort of thing like I never expected it was that big a deal either. I guess like in the sense that like. If I sort of repressed it, you know, if I just like held on to this lie because I wanted to, you know, I didn't want people to think that I had been lying to them. So if I just like took that shit to the grave, like how, I mean, it's just sex. Like, you know, it it doesn't affect that much. It's just like in this one very specific department, like I'm not sort of being truthful. but after I came out, like it, it honestly changes everything. Like it, it affects so much more than you have any sort of like reason to believe before that. Um, and I was just happier and, you know, weight off there, you know, lying didn't have to be like a way of life anymore. And so that was as transformative as just sort of, uh, like going on dates with guys. Like, it was just being free from that was was sort of the biggest relief. You took that weight off and then the weight of uh, your own business coming back on. (laughs) You replaced one stress (laughs) with another one. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess they do sort of, like, play into each other because, um, you know, if you, if lying is, like, just, like, a facet of who you are, then you know, it's very easy to sort of like stay in that mindset of just like telling people what they want to hear to, you know, get through the day. Um, and that's a really bad thing to be doing in business because people will find out if you have deceived them and it's, you know, you could get sued, you could get arrested. Like but you can't, you can't be fucking around with people's money like that. You know, if you just sort of like, if that's a huge part, I guess, of your identity and how you sort of like interact with people, then that can be really problematic as an entrepreneur. Um, so the fact that sort of those two, uh, I don't know, forces or like events in my life kind of coincided was perhaps very lucky because, um, like a huge part of, of the way I want to run this business and the way we present ourselves to people is, uh, as a very sort of like, straightforward, honest kind of operation, which within the film industry, 
it's kind of unique. Like that's people are just sort of accustomed to being taken for a ride, and if you are not, uh, if you make honesty and and sort of transparency, I guess, a part of the brand, so that's kind of revolutionary, which is sad. Yeah, no one expects honesty anymore. No, no, not at all. Like it's it's sort of novel in in film if you're if you're honest with people. I remember uh, I was talking, I was telling someone that knows both of us that <laughs> I was going to talk to you. And he was like, what are you going to talk to him about? And I like mentioned some things I was thinking of. And he like looked at your your Instagram and was like, oh, there's a little like rainbow flag. Is that why he made those rainbow lenses for pride? Look at that tie-in. <laughs> I see what he's doing. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you can combine the two. You can make it work. Do what you have to do to combo those things together to sell it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, because that was actually, the rainbow lens was, um, that wasn't my idea. That was actually, uh, our office manager, Meg, uh, came up with that. And, yeah, I think, especially when we did that, I don't think, like, I certainly wasn't hiding from anybody. Like, I was, I was out, but, you know, I hadn't done some emotional Facebook post. Like, I hadn't, hadn't made sure that the whole world knew. So that felt like a, a fun way to kind of, you know, push the push the envelope a little bit. But also, I mean, like we've as the the public profile of either me or the company has grown, like I wanted to make sure that that was part of it because I didn't want anyone to get the sense that it was something that was being hidden or um, or that I was like ashamed of because I. I know a lot of people now in the film industry who are gay, who are worried about that, who like who don't want that to be part of their public image. They don't, you know, they're very cautious around uh, who they date, who they're sort of like seen with on social media, um, because they don't want to alienate either their bosses or clients or like prospective filmmakers that they might work with. And like I just I thought I don't have the energy to hide it from people. So like I just wanted I wanted to rip that band-aid off and make sure that you know anyone talking to me is aware of of that. And you know, to the extent it affects anything, um, it should be on the table. I just was like, Yeah, I mean all he does he has his rainbow flag and he posts Lil Nas X memes. That's his identity now. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I was like, I don't judge you. Yeah. Have to have to lean into it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to I think I was just it was just I think the perform like we're still doing or it's part of the culture to do this performance of of something like coming out and I think that's the stress so I've been going through this whole thing of like my friend who was on my friend Amanda who was on the podcast uh, a couple, she's been on it multiple times but she uh, she was telling me about demisexuality and what that means and it's mm. basically like being attracted having physical or sexual attraction only with an emotional connection and i was like i didn't like i i i've had so many crushes on friends my whole life and i like sex with a stranger sounds really terrible to me and (laughs) i just started thinking about it and looking up this whole culture of it all and it's like under the asexuality umbrella. And, and I was like, oh, so does that mean I'm like, major- I, I was like, I feel like I'm a straight person. Time will tell however this goes. But like, I am like, 
oh, does that make me like on the spectrum? Like, does it make me like LGBTQIA now? And what does that mean? And what do I have to do? And <laughs> do I have to like initiate <laughs> in? Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, you get your membership card. Yeah, and I'm like, what does that mean? And then I think, and I honestly think that's what all these thoughts of, because I started watching YouTube videos about demisexuality and I was reading articles and listening to podcasts and, you know, talking to my friends and just trying to have all these conversations. And I'm like, whoa. And then people are like, yeah, you can be, you can be, you know, heterosexual or whatever. And also like this, but you know, you can, it can, there's, you can be heteroromantic and there's all these other terms. And I'm like, oh my God. Right. And I just got so overwhelmed by it, but I'm like, it doesn't, it also doesn't need to be a production. It doesn't need to be, but there's this whole, we grew up with sort of like people like when you do come out, it's either like this big secret. That's a big to do in performance. Once it happens, yeah, you need the reveal. or people put it on social media. I like tweeted something where I was like, I think this is me and I'm overwhelmed by, <laughs> like, I, was like <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to do this. There's just so many, I think because I've seen how this journey that so many people have gone, I would just like, anything with their sexuality where I'm just like trying to figure out is this a is this a thing or mm -hmm. like because I really do feel like I don't I don't just go up to somebody like or I don't see somebody on the street and I'm like oh they're hot like I feel like I have to like get to know a person and then I'm like oh wow they're really attractive and if they're a dick I'm like that person's ugly like right, right. <laughs> there's no middle ground I want to be able to like not have layers of anxiety over this but welcome to my brand right it's tricky i feel like i've seen all of the coming out stuff i've seen on social media um seems born of the same kind of like anxiety and maybe to some degree like overthinking that i think i was going through and, and maybe you sort of experienced you're just like how do i like parse this how do i present it to people because like, you'll see videos or posts or you know um you know it might be like instagram with like a very long caption um i think a lot of them you can like see the energy in them it's just like fuck it this is who i am like if you have a problem with it like i can't help you like i, I can't i can't hold on to this anymore um because yeah like it takes so much energy it takes so much like just mental anguish to like to hold on to it and to just let that go is so cathartic and i'm like is this even why am i worrying about all this does it it's not why is there all this mental anguish for something that doesn't like doesn't need to be all of this like right it doesn't and then and you find out too how much of it is just sort of like in your head like all the all the scenarios that have played out about how like other people react or like what it means for sort of like other parts of your life. It's it's like I remember reading about this thing that um it was basically just like there's no such thing as like a bad hair day. You know, you get up, your hair looks like shit, and you worry the whole day that other people are like judging you for it. In reality, nobody has noticed your hair. Nobody's looked at it. It has not made a single impression on any soul that you have encountered that day. But like, you feel like the whole world is just like staring you down. I feel like that's a lot of what this is. It's like, you assume that everybody cares about this. And 
I think the people who love you, you know, they want you to be happy, and like that's the extent to which they care about it. But I don't think most people uh, are really like they don't think about it, which is also sort of liberating. It's like life has no purpose, and people don't think about you. Like if if you can like get into that and then like embrace that, it's so liberating. Nobody cares. It's great. It's so wonderful. Nobody's looking at you. It's like I've had this mentality for so long of like I felt like and I don't know if you've ever felt in this particular way but I feel like most of my like work life has been just things that have kind of like been an opportunity where I'm just like okay I guess I'll do this there wasn't I don't think there was a passion necessarily because I want to do things for myself I want to do things because I was like I feel like the past whatever eight nine years have been this weird blur that I don't remember and it's not from doing drinking and doing drugs and things like I was like I just didn't feel like I was present in my own life and so I want to you know and I think the first step for me doing that was doing this podcast like nobody nobody came to me and said do a podcast about anxiety they were like hey you you're you're anxious do a podcast like that was never (laughs) a thing so I did it myself and I have this thing that I enjoy doing and so I'm like huh (laughs) I can do the stuff that I enjoy doing and I don't have to do this for these shoulds and these other people and I think seeing people that I know or seeing people or just talking to people through the show like that have their own thing that they did this thing because they wanted to do it and they took a sense of control of their own life. It makes me very anxious to do those things. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a strength in it and a power in it and a decisiveness in it that makes me want to do it to take charge. You know what I mean? Right. I think that's valid. I think it's it's funny because um, I think it's it's sort of an all or nothing proposition. Like you either. In, in that very specific sort of context, like you, you either work for other people or you do your own thing. And it's very much, you know, like leaving the nest, but like you either get taken care of or you have to fend for your damn self um, with potentially little or no preparation in that regard. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I, I think the, there is a certain sense of control, but there are also suddenly a lot of external factors that you now have to navigate solo um, that you're sort of insulated from if you work for someone else. You know, it's, it's like living with your parents and then moving out and suddenly you're like, you have to figure out how to get the cable guy there on a Tuesday afternoon and figure out you know, paying the bills and getting groceries and, you know, your toilet's clogged. How do you sort that out? There's just not stuff that you have maybe necessarily had to deal with before. Um, and so I think it, it can be overwhelming. Um, but if you can kind of like white knuckle through the anxiety, then there certainly are rewards on the other side. I, I'm very quick to say they're like it is not um it's not all rewards like it's not it doesn't fix everything uh especially if there's sort of a desire for like 
growth in other areas of your life, starting a business is probably counterproductive. Um, it's not helpful for relationships. It's not helpful for sort of like a general sense of like well-being or balance in your life. Um, maybe after 15 years, if like, it, you know, you reach a sort of sustainable spot with the business, then maybe you can figure some things out. But um, like I've been doing this now for about five or six years. Um, and it still feels like that that first sort of like stage of like a rocket launch where you're still everything's shaking, you're going a million miles an hour, and like you're just trying to hold on. You're not thinking about like, would it be nice to do this or buy a house or like start a family? It's just trying to get through the atmosphere right now. Yeah, and there's just like it, doing that involves risks, and it involves kind of just taking the jump to do that and. I'm like, oh, and then the anxiety of taking that jump stops me from taking the jump. Right. So, but it's like, if you don't do it, you're never going to get there. And then you're just in this perpetual state of, of, you know, yeah. circular motion. Which is why, like, I think that certain amount of sort of delusion or like naivete is maybe necessary. Because like, yeah, if you fully realize all of the risks and all of the pitfalls and traps and everything, then I don't know how you could ever get started. You just say, I don't know how to handle all of that. It's like, what am I setting myself up for? Um, so you definitely, I feel like you have to be a little bit stupid because if you knew what you were getting into, you wouldn't do it. So yeah, I mean, the, the other thing is like, because the, the metaphor that a lot of people use for like a small business is um, like jumping out of a plane and then like building the parachute on the way down, which isn't strictly apt. Like I think it, it sort of like captures the basic idea of like, yeah, you're, you're sort of responsible for your own fate and you better succeed. But it also kind of imagines that there's a point at which if you build the parachute, you just land and now you're safe and you're fine. You're back on the ground. Um, I feel like being be maybe more apt, if slightly more complex analogy is like, imagine like taking off in like the Wright Brothers plane and then trying to turn it into like a 737 midair. Like you have to constantly be like upgrading parts and be like, all right, well, we put jet engines on there now, but like the plane is too heavy to like stay aloft. So now we got to like build this. We got to put bigger wings on it and try to do all of that while you're still like aloft. Like I think that's probably more accurate because um, it's, I don't think there's really a point at which you're just like done. Like unless you just close the business, um, it will continue to grow or at the very least evolve. So I don't think for me anyway, there's a point at which like I could just step back and, and like it could just coast. Like there constantly has to be new products being introduced and developed and it would be very difficult to find someone else to do that. So I have to be involved on this very sort of intimate level. Yeah, I mean, I think there's this this thinking of like, well, I'm going to get so famous and so big. And <laughs> look at Alex. He's so famous now, and but he's the face, but he can't ever leave the company. But he's definitely going to have, he's going to get so big that he's going to have all these people work for him and he can just lay back and count his money. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I, 
I, I suspect it's not true, but maybe we'll get to a place where that's possible. Um, also, I wouldn't wish, like, I'm certainly not famous, but a certain subsect of film people know who I am, and even that's uh, unnerving sometimes, because, like, it, I don't know, maybe other people are better, better suited for it, but, like, being recognized on the street by strangers um, a handful of times it's happened is extremely unnerving to me. Like, I love calling you out on your you celebrity know. status now. It's very fun for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, excuse me, famous guy. Because like when I when we went to that show, like, and I just saw how many people were like approaching you or all these conversations you were having, and I was like, oh, sorry, this is my famous friend. I'm gonna, I can't be seen here. I have to go. He needs space to. <laughs> to talk to people yeah i mean I'm, it's it's gotten worse i've had more and more people say like oh i met you at that thing i, I have horrendous oh, you're there now like, yeah well i mean think about how sort of like awkward it would be if you're just like buying coffee at the grocery store and like a total stranger walks up and knows who you are and you don't know who they are like even even on like the tiny tiny level that I'm operating on, that's weird. I cannot imagine being like genuinely famous and having to contend with that. That would be horrible. Like, well, it's would, it's gonna happen become, to you. So so fear not. I hope not. <laughs> I I I'm just genuinely. I'm really proud of you, though. I'm proud of you for the work that you're doing. I appreciate and, it. And like, it was just like watching, just like, it's nice to see someone that, you know, like succeed in some way, shape or form. Like people really enjoy the product and people enjoy what you do. And I think it's something that you should be, you know, maybe it'll get you time to be proud of it if you're not. But I think it's something that a big accomplishment that I think is, is worth, worth the moment of congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I, I do appreciate it. And every now and again, I, I try to get some perspective. Uh, but so often it just feels like um, just like shoveling coal into a blast furnace. And it's just like just feeding this, this thing that gets hungrier and hungrier and more demanding. And I'm just trying to keep up with it. Well, I just, again, I really appreciate you even taking the time to speak to little old me. And to of course, this is fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> and to just answer my ridiculous questions during your workday when I forget that it's LA time and not New York time. I'm like, sorry, I'm reaching out to you at like seven <laughs> in the morning. No, I wake up to messages from all over the place. That's, that's how I start my morning, no matter what the circumstances are. And you're like, you, you're not about lenses. Okay, I can talk to you. <laughs> yeah, I can talk to you. This is this is not going to be that emotionally draining. This is not just people trying to get work information out of me at seven o'clock in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really do appreciate it though. I think this is really fun. And I think this is the most, I think we've spoken continuously in one fell swoop. (laughs) I think so. In a very long time. (laughs) But yeah. um, Tell people where they can, find you on socials or your company, what it's called, yada, yada. Um, so the company is called uh, Zero Optic with a K on the end instead of a C. Um, really, the only social media presence is on Instagram. So 
if you look for us there, you can you can find all sorts of sexy photos of lenses and things our lenses have worked on. <laughs> Don't worry about finding me though. That's that's unnecessary. <laughs> well, what's the the Instagram for the for Zero Optic? Uh, zero Optic, all one word. Uh, so two O's. Well, yeah. Thanks again. It was really good talking to you. Hopefully, we can talk more and outside of Instagram at some yeah, point. I hope so. And or and or me go to LA or you come, let me know when you're here and we'll we'll do something. Do a do a shots of espresso or something. Yeah, and then lots of alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> duh. Either or. Just uppers and downers, just ride the wave. <laughs> There you have it. What a fun chat with my film industry famous friend, Alex Nelson. Alex, thank you again for taking the time to talk to me and for possibly discouraging me into starting my own business. You always know how to uplift me in my time of need. If you want to learn more about Zero Optic, you can follow them on Instagram at Zero Optic. And that's optic with a K. And while you're on Instagram, you can follow this show at Anxious AF Show. We're also at Anxious AF Show on Facebook. Subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. You can also stream every episode at anxiousafshow.com. You can email us at anxiousafshow at gmail.com with guest suggestions, feedback, or a story you'd be interested in sharing on the show. This episode was edited and mixed by Angelique Ibera. Music by Garrett Rose. His work can be found at garrettrose.com. And I'm your host that's trying not to be anxious while making a podcast about anxiety, Sarah Curlin. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week.